yeah, fixing the printers, fixing the Wi-Fi, those are all important things. But being a good Christian representative, like that, that should be first and foremost in, in everything that I do. Because going back to like what I did in the military and working in signals intelligence, I never worked on the front lines with a gun in my hands, you know, and, and never had bullets whizzing over my head. But I worked in a support role where everything that I did was saving lives, even if I didn't see it and know it. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony. And today I am joined by our network administrator, Kevin Johnson. What's up? Not much. Glad to be here, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Really happy to have you here. So, Kevin is uh, you're you're the IT one of the IT guys around here. Yes, correct? yeah, one 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 of two. My boss John Liptrot and I. Uh, he's been here about eighteen years, but I just started here about a month after you did. Yes, so you were. Uh, I was the new guy for uh, one month, October yep. through like November yep. of twenty twenty, and then uh, Kevin hopped on board, and that was that was good for me. Yep. So, um, network administrator, correct? Uh, well, help, IT help desk technician. Um, I guess the old role, they, they called it network administrator, but that's such a small portion of the job that they we, we course corrected, and now it's more accurately called IT help desk technician. So, IT help desk technician. I, I think that uh, that's the... Um for many people, the the thing that they understand like least in the world, like the whole idea of networks and nodes and right. wirings and stuff, you know what I mean? So I, I'm one of those people. I have no idea how to get my computer to work half the time. And I'm quote unquote young, right? Uh, you know, so I am just not in touch. So I really appreciate people like you who can explain it and, and, and walk me through my bungling attempts to, uh, you know, print a uh, booklet or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something you have to have a passion for. Otherwise, you know, who wants to learn this stuff unless you, you know, just naturally kind of a geek by nature. So, so uh, we want, I want to know why you have a passion for it. I want to go back. So the whole point of this whole <laughs> podcast is like uh, a tour of the parish. Like, as you know, um, uh, I, I started here a year ago and I'm, and I'm still getting to know people around here. And I think there's a lot of our listeners who, who are, are, are our parishioners who um, uh, feel the same way. So here's a little peek behind the curtain. It turns out St. Anthony has IT people, you know, and yep. we have a whole whole network of computers, printers, servers, whatever. I, I probably didn't. That's not all. But um, that yeah. they rely on technology. Oh, yeah. And it's not just, you know, three priests and some... Right. Uh, well, especially... Because we've got the, the, the parish and the school. The, yes. the school is the lion's share of the work that, that we do in IT because every single classroom has a printer. Um, we've got all of our middle school students starting in sixth grade. They all have Chromebooks. And so we've just got tons of electronic devices, projectors in all the rooms. Uh, each, each teacher has a computer, but then there's also student computers in the rooms. So a uh, lot of points of failure, so to speak. So a lot of things points to work of on. Failure. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No kidding. I was always uh, so jealous of the right around my age or a little younger. Uh, students started getting 
iPads and stuff mm-hmm. for, for going to school, like high, your high school, every, everyone had an, a laptop or an iPad to do your homework on. That was after I was in, in high school. I was always so jealous of those, those folks who got to use a laptop or something. It was their own for the year. All right. But that's probably a whole different set of can of worms, I guess, for these, these kids growing up in the technology age. Oh yeah. It's, it, it moves so fast. It's, it's crazy sometimes. So where are you from? So I'm originally from Corpus Christi, South Texas, four hours south of here. I grew up in a rather small Catholic parish, uh, St. Thomas the Apostle, outside of Corpus and Robstown. My family founded that parish in 1980. In fact, I was the first baby baptized there. And then many moons later, my first godchild, when she was being baptized, when they went to open up the books and everything and, and document it in their uh, logs, she was the first baby in volume two of their baptismal record. And so I'm listed as the first baby baptized there and the first godfather in volume two. So <laughs> my little volume... claim to fame, so to speak. <laughs> Has there been a volume three? No, no, not yet. This you was... got to get involved in that. Yeah, I've got to find some way to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. be the priest for that one. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Okay, Corpus. I have not been down to Corpus Christi. I've heard it's lovely. It's a great place to be from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So no, you I didn't... still have some family down there. I still go uh, pretty regular down there. Okay. It's, it's uh, after after being in the military and all the places that I've seen. You know, as far as some of the beaches I've seen, like now, of course, I'm like, eh, the beach is not so great. But... Well, I grew up in Kansas, uh, not yeah. a very beach friendly state. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and when I was in college, my buddies and I all drove down uh, for spring break or something. We went to Galveston. We were mm-hmm. like, let's do Galveston. We, we know a guy with a house there. We can stay there. We can go to the beach. It'll be awesome. And it was an awesome week. We had such right. a blast. And then I moved here and. And I told people that, yeah, I've been to Galveston. We, we came down in college and everyone, everyone has said, why, you know, why would you choose Galveston if you, if of all the beaches on the coast uh, right. that you could choose from? So, well, and, and, and uh, that's not to say that the beaches down there aren't great. It's just, you know, I, I was stationed in Pensacola, Florida for six months. And then right. uh, later on, I've, I've spent some time in the Virgin Islands. And so, you know, I got spoiled on crystal clear swimming pool water, you know. So you spent some time in the, ver- so yeah, tell you the military, tell, mm-hmm. how, tell us how, how you ended up there. Did you go out of college? Did you so go- I, uh, went straight out of high school. I went to, uh, school for about a semester and, um, it turns out when you're taking 15 hours and you never show up to a single class, it's really hard to pass. Sure. Sure. And so, uh, mom and dad weren't real happy about my inaugural semester in college. So I uh, went and signed up to join the Air Force and uh, spent six years active duty working in signals intelligence, working for the NSA. Um, as, but I was in the Air Force, but I worked for the NSA. So did that for a while. All my time was spent here in the United States. I did two years in Arizona in training and then six months in Pensacola, Florida. And then all the rest of my time was right back at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. So joined the Air Force to see the world and got sent two hours from home. San Antonio, that's a nice yeah, town. Yeah. Oh, I love San Antonio. All my family has migrated there. And really? so that's, even though I'm from Corpus, I've, I've kind of considered my home San Antonio because that's where everybody for the most part is with the exception of just, you know, like my sisters in Corpus. Um, but for the most part, most of my family has moved to San Antonio. Well, thank you for your six years of service. That's, well, thank you. That's, you're that's, welcome. Yeah, we, I mean, that's, that's huge. And uh, so what was your role there after the NSA? So I, I worked in signals intelligence. Um, so like any kind of communications, um, we were monitoring communications of um, foreign assets and everything. So I joined in May of 2000. So I was actually at Fort Huachuca, which is the Intel training headquarters base um, for the Army. 
Um, even though I was in the Air Force, I trained at uh, Army base and then later uh, Navy base. So when September 11th happened, yeah. I was in the military when that happened, and uh, quite a day. Um, you know, Holy especially cow, being what was on that a, like? On a, it, nobody knew what was going on. Um, yeah. It was it was it was pretty wild. We locked down base for several weeks, and you know we immediately were all called down. We were watching it all on live on on TV, and you know next thing we knew, like we went to ThreatCon Delta on the base where everything was locked down. You couldn't go off base. You couldn't have people come on base. They started having us all go down to the armory, uh, getting M16s and flak jackets and and helmets and everything. We were doing patrol duties around, and it was. It was scary. It was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, eventually, of course, we the dust settled. And, I mean, everybody knows what all happened with us, you know, going to Iraq and going to Afghanistan and everything and, um, and all that entails. But, um, yeah, those first several weeks were wild. It was, it was pretty scary. Yeah, I can't imagine actually being in the armed forces when that was going down. Y'all must have been thinking like is there are there are there more attacks coming like the, the, oh, the yeah. day of especially you know oh yeah certainly and I mean there were guys that I worked with who had family members that were working at the Pentagon so oh that was that was pretty scary um and you know that was probably the turning point in my Air Force career mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest prior to that you know I still was in the you know fresh out of mom and dad's house you know it's party time and you know I was just like you know, the typical, like, like Gomer likes to say, the, the solo cup lifestyle. I was just wanting to party and goof off and it wasn't really taking my military career seriously. But then September 11th happened and everything turned on a dime. Suddenly I realized, hey, this is real. Yeah. You know, I started really buckling down in my studies and realizing that, hey, you know, this is why I joined is to, to serve and defend my country. So it caused me to grow up overnight. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I, of course, wish that day never happened, but um, but I'm thankful for the change that it, that it had in me. So, okay, so you spent some time in the in the military there, um, six years. Yep, six years active duty and two years in the reserves. Yep. All right. What what did you do after that? So after that, um, just a few months after I got out, I got married to my first wife, and uh, she was finishing up her degree in civil engineering at, uh, at UT in Austin. She took a job working for a company here at Houston doing commercial construction. So we moved from San Antonio out to, to Pearland and uh, bought a house out there and kind of started our lives. And about three years into our marriage, we, uh, she was having a lot of headaches and uh, went and got MRI, and that's when we found out that she had brain cancer. And at that time, we were right in the middle of an adoption, and so the adoption fell through, and then she had brain surgery. Eventually, she ended up having three brain surgeries. She had a, a nine-year battle with brain cancer. Um, and uh, once again, um, your entire life, just switches on a dime mm. when when you hear that that c word you know when the doctor says cancer everything you thought you had planned everything you thought you knew all just completely transformed and uh it's one of those things i tell people the worst thing that ever happened in my marriage was my wife getting brain cancer and the best thing that ever happened in my marriage was my wife getting brain cancer and uh 
what I mean by that is obviously it's, it's easy to understand how devastating that was, but the perspective that it afforded us suddenly all the little fights about who forgot to take out the trash, who didn't unload the dishwasher, you know, it, it, we, we developed this mantra of if it doesn't matter 20 years from now, it doesn't matter. Like our lives are precious. We don't know how much time we have with one another. Why are we wasting our time fighting on about these things? Why aren't we loving each other to the fullest, our fullest capacity? And it really brought us closer together. You know, it, we, we grew up really fast in our marriage and, uh, we ended up having a very beautiful marriage as a result of it. And, uh, and it improved all my relationships, not just with my wife, with my grandparents, my parents, my siblings, everybody I interact with, um, you start realizing just how precious life is and how, how short it is sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Sorry, I think I forgot the initial question. I just kind of started rambling. <laughs> well, just no, I was just curious how you, what you did next, and uh... yeah, so um, so yeah, like well, so while we were there in Pearland, um, I started going back to school. This time around, it was on uh, my on the GI Bill, and I had grown up considerably yeah. in that time. Um, so I started going to school at Alvin Community College and got my associates in computer networking and did really well there. Absolutely loved it. Then transferred to U of H Clear Lake and I was working on my bachelor's in information technology with a specialization in uh, network security. I was a few semesters out from graduating with my bachelor's when Julie, my first wife's health, kind of took a nosedive and uh, so had to quit school because she was the primary breadwinner while I was going to school. So I quit school and uh, started trying to find a quote unquote real job and uh, wasn't really having much luck finding anything in IT at the time. And so through a family friend, started working as a salesman slash supervisor for an oil field trucking company based out of Corpus Christi, but they had a office in Houston. So did that for two years. I crammed about five years of experience into two years. It was a lot of long days, a lot of hours on the road, and I was good at it, but at the same time, that's not where my heart was. I, I, all the time, I was no, knowing that eventually I wanted to get back into doing IT, and, but I made really good money in that time. That was when everything was booming like crazy in the mm. Eagleford area, and so made a lot of money in a sh short couple of years. Managed to pay off all of our medical debt and student loans and all those things uh, that Julie had. And so by virtue of that, and also with her disability income, we were able to make a big jump. I applied to a company in San Antonio, a, a real well-known IT company uh, by the name of Rackspace. I don't know if we can say their name, but uh, it was it's a real prestigious it's kind of like the Google of Texas. Um, oh, wow. And uh, it was a dream of mine for years to one day work there. And uh, I applied and got hired there. And it was a phenomenal experience. I learned a lot and uh, made some really great friends there. Worked there for a few years until uh, Julie eventually passed away. So after she passed away, I went back to work um, after taking about a month off and Working at an inbound call center where you've got customers calling in, um, irate, screaming about their email not working mm -hmm. um, while you're grieving the loss of your spouse, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I um, so after a while, I realized, I was like, I've got plenty of money and savings. So I eventually said, you know, I just need some time to 
take to myself and spend some time with family. So I uh, took about a seven-month sabbatical where I left that job and just went spent all my free time with family, um, started really diving more headlong into my faith. My faith journey has been interesting through all of this. Well, um, that's what I wanted to get into because I know you have such a strong faith uh, now and, and during that experience that you just described, uh, the you know, your wife is given this horrible diagnosis and that yeah. whole long process. And where was your faith during that time? So initially, so I, like I said, I was, I was born and raised cradle Catholic. Um, but then when I got to my teen years, I kind of rebelled. And even through my years in the military, I've, I, I never was like atheist or anything like that, but certainly, you know, kind of agnostic and just kind of like, like a lot of people just kind of disconnected from my faith for a while. The, but then when Julie and I met, um, her faith was very important to her and she started drawing me back into the church. And, uh, so by the time her diagnosis happened, I was a practicing Catholic, but I was not passionate about my faith. I was just going through the motions and it was just kind of, you know, it, it wasn't, there wasn't the fire lit inside of me yet. Um, and then after her diagnosis and, the adoption falling through and the, all the brain surgeries and all just the suffering and, and the, the hurt that, that, that she was going through. I, I never lost my faith, but I certainly became very angry with God for many years. Sure. And uh, just I, I had a really hard time wrapping my mind around it. And what sometimes in some ways made it harder was seeing the way that Julie and her family, they were so devout and so passionate about their faith and um, Julie would always say that like she just would offer up her sufferings and that she would join her sufferings with Christ on the cross and that you know that her suffering wasn't meaningless that she wanted it to serve a purpose and she she was very selfless and full of joy all the way to the very end she never complained never had any you know poor me moments or anything and inspired everyone that ever met her it was Mm -hmm. amazing me especially but at the same time it made me that much more upset because I was like, this woman is so beautiful and amazing and selfless and full of joy. Like, why is she suffering? And it wasn't until actually after she passed that I stumbled upon a book by Jeff Cavins uh, called When You Suffer, Biblical Keys to Understanding Suffering, I think is the the title. And uh, that book utterly rocked my world. Um, it changed everything. Suddenly, all that Julie had been telling me all those years clicked and it made sense. Like what she meant when she said, I'm offering up my suffering, I'm letting it serve a greater purpose. And, and suddenly I understood that it all did serve a purpose. Like it, it transformed my heart almost instantly. My, my heart softened. And then suddenly while I was grieving and everything, like, I started going to daily mass and like I could not go to mass enough because I did firmly believe in the communion of saints. I did believe that, you know, when I had the true presence of Christ come into me, that that was the closest I was ever going to be to her, you know, this side of heaven. And so that brought me so much peace and comfort. And there were days where I would go to mass, I would I would receive the, the Eucharist. And then I would just sit there in the pew for like an hour afterwards, just being in, in in the presence of Christ and being, you know, knowing that she was there with me and knowing that I'm not alone in this and that it, 
you know, that there will one day be hope and joy again. That's such a beautiful testimony to grace and your your faith just sticking through all of that um and coming coming through with not a hatred for god but a uh, but it sprouts faith instead of mm-hmm. diminishes it which you hear of that occurring when in these uh, occasions but to see it like like you're describing and and and, and to see it firsthand is really inspiring to me um so thanks for sharing all of that i know it can't be the easiest thing to dive into um but it is such a so powerful to hear well, thank you all of the suffering from from Julie and from you is is not not pointless. Right. It, it can be tied to the cross. And um, well, praise God for 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 so many things. For Jeff Cavins, for your wife's witness, uh, for your uh, your grace and being back at the at mass and still going to mass today. It's, it's yeah. amazing. And so as that time went on and I, I, you know, slowly allowed the Lord to heal my heart and to, to get me through that, that period of, of such strong grieving, as I spent more and more time with my nieces and nephews and I realized just how much love I still had to give in my heart and so much hope for the future, um, my uh, then, you know, mother-in-law, uh, Julie's mom, she is the one that kept talking to me and saying, Kevin, you've got so much life ahead of you. You've got so much love to give. You really need to start dating and you you need to not move on. I, I do not like that, that phrase, move on. I've always thought of it as moving forward um, and beginning the next chapter of my life. And so at her prompting, I did just that. I started going on catholicmatch.com, meeting a few, few women, and that's where I met my current wife, Virginia. And uh, this new chapter of my life has been so blessed, so abundantly blessed, full of so much joy. Our very first date, we went to confession, then we went to Starbucks, and then we went to Mass together. Um, So awesome first date. She's very devout in her faith, and uh, that was very important to her, that she wanted to find a man who, um, who wanted to have Christ at the center of his marriage because that's what was important to her. And I was at that same point where, you know, I, I knew just how important my faith was at that time. And, and she has been so beautiful and, and, and understanding through all this. You talk about grace that surpasses understanding. Like it hasn't always been easy for her. Um, but just recently back in August was the anniversary, the three year anniversary of Julie's death. And, uh, leading up to that, we had gotten invited by, uh, Julie's parents to go to a mass at the church where Julie grew up. And, uh, cause they wanted, they wanted to meet Virginia. They hadn't met her yet. And so, uh, I asked Virginia, but I told her, I was like, I'm not going to pressure you. This is your decision to make, like whatever you decide I'll respect and be okay with. She deliberated about it for a while. And she, uh, while she was thinking about it, she surprised me with the most beautiful bouquet of flowers. And, uh, Julie really enjoyed um, butterflies that was kind of a symbol of hope for her and she just she 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 loves that had butterflies on all of her purses and all this stuff and the color pink well in this bouquet of flowers that Virginia made for for Julie's headstone when we were going to go down there to visit the cemetery there was these little pink butterflies oh. in it and uh oh, wow. it was such a beautiful special touch that she had remembered me saying that to yeah. her and uh and so then the day 
came, we went down there, we cleaned up the headstone and, uh, had a really beautiful moment of prayer together and, um, and just spent good, some good quality time there, uh, with Virginia holding my hand and praying with me and acknowledging that that love that I have for Julie will always be there and that it's not in competition with the love that I now have for Virginia. It's branches of the same, it's different branches of the same tree. Um, You know, or like, you know, if you want to think of it in terms of, you know, Christ being the true vine and, and we're the branches of the vine, like, these are just offshoots of, of my heart, and, and it's all from the love of Christ, and that's what bonds us all together, and, uh, and, and that's how I try to look at it, is, is through the lens of my faith. And so Virginia, in that moment, while we were there praying at the, at the gravesite, she agreed to go and meet Julie's parents. We went to Mass with them, then went and had dinner, and it was, aside from, you know, both of our weddings, uh, my wedding with, with Julie and my wedding with Virginia, I would say that's probably the one of the most beautiful days of my entire life. To see the love that was shared between Julie's parents and Virginia and the grace that was present there that, that could only come from God. It was it yeah. was powerful and amazing and transformative is, like you wouldn't believe. Incredible. That's incredible. Uh, so. Love is just this common theme that is tying everything together. The uh, and you said it so well that the, the, your love for Julie is in no way in competition. Instead, it it magnifies. Oh, certainly, it, it it's made me a you. far better husband to Virginia than I ever would have been otherwise. For certain, golly, that that's such such a harrowing scenario. You 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 can put the facts down <laughs> that you just described, and you read that and you're like, oh, this is this is awful. But the way you're telling this story with such a uh, aura of hope and love uh, and grace tinged in it. It's something that only a Catholic could tell, and only someone with a faith, uh, belief in God, could tell this story and and remain hopeful and see that love was working throughout. Uh, you 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 were able to do your duty as a husband to, for Julie, which is as I'm learning uh, as an engaged man, your duty is to love your spouse to heaven. Yeah, to to guide her and and help her to get to heaven, and uh, I firmly believe that in in that regard, I was I was very successful with Julie. I, I I'm not very good at a lot of things, but I was a very good husband. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome. that and, is so uh, beautiful. I'm I'm very proud of of the time and 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 very honored to have been a part of that. I was I had a front row seat to something that at the time was very difficult, but. Looking back on it, I had a front row seat to one of the most beautiful things. It's, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful and, and blessed beyond measure. Yeah, I, it's just such a situation that you would never wish to happen. You know, the, there's really no even comparison to my life to that I can say, like, you know, compare this to. I've never, praise God, I've never had a loved one like uh uh, lose a loved one like that. I've seen I've seen it occur in, in friends and in, in, in other family members. But you pray that you're at a place, or or it seems like Julie led you to the place to, mm-hmm. to have the relationship with God that is necessary to to be your rock to to guide you through all of that. And now you're a. It sounds like you're a better husband. Uh, oh to yeah. Virginia. Yeah. The, the the fruits that that have that 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 experience bore within me. Um, 
have been phenomenal. It got to the point where working in the private sector in IT, while I was good at it and I enjoyed it because I love all things IT, like as my faith kept growing stronger and stronger and it became so fundamental to every part of my life, I realized that I need to be doing something where I can contribute these these talents that I have in IT and let that combine with my faith. And so that's what brought me here to St. Anthony was I, I saw this job position open and it just, it seemed so perfect. I was very excited when Virginia actually found it. I, I, I better not take claim on that. <laughs> she found it for me. She said, Kevin, this sounds perfect for you. So um, applied and came here and I've just been so thrilled. All of those life lessons that I learned, um, not only through my military experience, but also through, you know, everything that happened with Julie and I and the, the compassion and the empathy that I have, it carries over into my job roles, believe it or not. You, you hear of the stereotypical IT guy that's, um, you know, good with printers, but not so good with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fixing the printers, fixing the Wi-Fi, those are all important things, but being a good Christian representative, like that, that should be first and foremost in, in everything that I do. And I, and I try to, to, to represent my faith and all that I do, even if it's just fixing somebody's printer, because going back to like what I did in the military and, and working in signals intelligence, I never worked on the front lines with a gun in my hands, you know, and, and never had bullets whizzing over my head, but I worked in a support role where everything that I did was saving lives, even if I didn't see it and know it. So the, the gravity is different in this role, but at the same time, when a teacher contacts us and says, I can't get my projector working, that has derailed her entire lesson for that day. And those kids are not learning. And there may be something that they're learning that will bear fruits many years from now. Right. And so I take responsibility for that in everything I do, even in the, the, the little mundane things like, you know, just going and restarting somebody's computer and wow, everything's working because that's what God put me here to do. That's, that's why this, I'm here at St. Anthony's is to make sure that all the background things that need to happen on the IT sphere, that we keep the, the, the train rolling so that all these kids are still getting the, the education that they deserve and that... I can somehow be a blessing to that teacher or the parish staff member who's having a rough day. And, you know, if I can come in and, and be Superman for that five minutes and, and get them up and running, like mission accomplished. Yeah. My day was great, yeah. you know, and that's, it's just, that is such a good perspective. I try to, I try to remind myself of that every morning uh, before I come in, I try to ask the Lord to, you know, help me to be a blessing to, to everyone's life that I encounter, you know, even if it's just, serving in, in, a, in a relatively mundane way. Like, you know, it, it's ingrained in, in everything that I do. Um, it's, it's, like I say, all these things have transformed me. And uh, I can't wait to see what, what, what further the future holds. So. <laughs> well, if the next 20 years are as action-packed as your uh, previous 20 years, then we've got a <laughs> roller coaster ahead of you. Let's hope things slow down a little. <laughs> Kevin, an incredible story, and, and thank you so much for your uh, humble servant uh, leadership. Uh, your, your, 
using your expertise and knowledge to allow uh, uh, teachers to teach and, and our, our staff over at the parish to um, you know, accomplish their goals, whether that's you know, getting little saints up and running or, or making sure our faith formation people have a good uh, PowerPoint for one of their classes. Uh, all of those things could not be done without IT. So to you and John Liptrap, we're very grateful uh, for all you do uh, behind the scenes uh, constantly. And, and thank you so much for your service uh, in the military. And, and thank you so much for sharing, uh, being so open with that very, very inspiring story of your life uh, so far. Uh, a lot we can learn from that. A lot we can pray through with, with that and, and just keeping that all-important thing ahead of us. I love what you said about um, um, just, you know, somehow dishes become less important with with something as uh, heavy as a, a cancer diagnosis on the table. So not not that every family has that experience, but it is something that every family can learn about. Love right. is the important thing uh, in the evening when you come home and things are stressful, not the day-to-day uh, minutia of, of getting getting by. It's love. So whatever oh, yeah, you can it's, do. It's, it's a, a constant exercise in learning to die to ourselves and to, to, to love our spouses, to love everyone around us the way that Christ loved his, his bride, the church. You know, that's, that's the ultimate goal of marriage is to, to, to die to yourself and your own selfish wants and needs and, and, and to serve someone else. And when you've done that for years, serving, you know, a spouse who is slowly fading due to something, you know, like cancer, like you learn a lot about how to have that self-sacrificial love and to understand that this is not just about, you know, oh, I would rather play Xbox right now. Like, you know, right. whatever I can do to show her that I love her and that it, she's appreciated, like it, your life it means is, the world. is not about you. And when exactly. it becomes about someone else, that's when you truly live. Yes. Um, uh, so, wow. Wow. Incredible. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on our podcast and sharing. Um, I, I'm sure this is going to be uh, an important thing for a lot, a lot of folks to hear, and a lot of people will be very moved. So thank you for being so open. No um, problem. Yeah, we'll have you on again sometime. Sounds good. I'm happy, I'll be happy to come back anytime. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, so just some news around the parish. Um, we've got uh, our new pastors in town, Father Jesse Garcia. He started on September 1st. Um, his installation officially as the pastor of St. Anthony's will occur on uh, Saturday, September 18th at the 5 p.m. Mass. So that'll be really cool. I invite everyone to come to that 5 p.m. Mass. We're going to have a little reception in Sheltz Hall afterwards, uh, welcoming him to the parish. So uh, that's at 5 p.m. on September 18th. Come to that Mass, and afterwards we'll have uh, his welcome reception. Otherwise, we're excited to get back to business here. Uh, school's starting. We've got our faith formation stuff up and running, uh, sack prep and that kind of thing going. So it's good to see people and familiar faces here at, at St. Anthony's. And it's good to have a hearty IT team behind the scenes making sure it all happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Kevin, again. Uh, we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Talk to you right, soon. Thank you for having me. Bye.